I'm Enoch Fossum. And I'm Austin Ivey, and you're listening to the What About Therapy Podcast. What About Therapy? Welcome to another episode of What About Therapy. Woohoo! Uh, episode 59. 59. Exactly exact. And today, we're going to be talking about diet culture and body image and how that affects children specifically. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting topic. It's one that I have never heard on like a psychology podcast before. I've never heard of anyone talking about something like this. I'm sure there is, but from yeah. the podcast that I listen to, I've never seen it before. And I feel like it's a very under underrated topic that is talked about for sure. Because it, if you look at eating disorder rates in the United States and among other countries, they're really high. And a lot of them go undiagnosed as well. So it's a topic that we're excited to talk about and it's excited. It's a topic that we think needs to be talked about more. Yeah, I think so too. And this article we're actually going to go over is purely, I mean, there's a lot of, it's statistically based and there are statistics around this idea uh, that we're going to talk about. And it's interesting because like Austin was saying, no one talks about it yet it's backed by science that the diet culture is very real and has a really big impact on especially little kids mm-hmm. and what they choose to do with foods. So it's going to be, it was really eye opening to me too, as I read the article and the, the author gives really cool insights too. This is by Amelia R. Sherry on psychology today titled five strategies to protect your child from diet culture. And I know we talked about body image. This is going to be a little bit different. This is, I mean, it's under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Body image and diet culture, they go hand in hand. But again, like Austin was saying, this is just going to be around food specifically, not necessarily diet image. Mm-hmm. It's, or diet image. <laughs> diet image, body image. This is going to be on diet culture. And the emphasis we put on food, even the language we use to talk about food, can have a really big impact on how we view food and how we go throughout our entire life in our relationship with food. Yeah, exactly. So. And we're not claiming to be um, like health experts or nutritionists, which is a made up word, um, like, or dietitians. <laughs> a dietitian is a real thing. Um, nutritionist isn't a real word. And it's not a real um, certification. Oh, okay. Like it's okay. like you can, anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. Um, but yeah, I'm a nutritionist. Yeah, yeah. Technically we could say that we're nutritionists <laughs> because we can go get a fake online certificate. Um, but a dietitian, like it's a master's degree level certification. It's very okay. similar to like a, a therapist. You have to yeah. get a master's to, to get yeah. it. So this article was written by a registered dietitian who specializes in, she says, positive food parenting. So it's really interesting stuff and um, don't take this as like health advice. Take it as, don't even take it as mental health advice. Take it as food for thought of how you see food and the way that you think about it. And the way the article is listed a lot, like most of the articles that we use, there's a, there's five things that the author uses and talks about as main concerns of diet culture. And so we can go through those and talk about them and have a discussion about it. Yeah. Side note, it's Zuko's birthday today. He's one years old. Happy birthday, Zuko. He's eating a big bone right now. He just said thanks if you can't hear it. <laughs> uh, anywho. Let's, yeah, anywho. Uh, you can start us off. Let's do it. I'm doing it. Yes, I am. <laughs> um, I want to actually read the key points before we read the first yeah. one because I really like that it sets the tone for what we're going to learn about today. The key points of the article say that diet culture is a powerful and pervasive force among kids. And then parents who avoid talking about 
whoa, <laughs> parents who avoid talking about weight raise kids more protected from eating disorders and avoiding good food, bad food dichotomy makes it easier for children to eat well. So those are the things that we might be learning today. So number one, the first, uh, I guess it does have a section about what diet culture is. So maybe we should talk about that for yeah. a second. Yeah, that's it. So the way that um, the article um, defines diet culture, it says that in its simplest form, diet culture is the shamed belief that thinner bodies are better bodies. Diet culture assigns higher value to smaller bodies and eating styles that help you stay, be and stay thin. Diet culture can be very obvious, subtle, and much less clear. For example, advertisements for slimming clothing or foods that make you fight fat are part of diet culture. Without even realizing it, much of our attitudes and beliefs about food and eating revolve around the idea that we need to be thin. So when we say diet culture, it's this idea that your worth is in your size. That yeah. The smaller the pants size, the more you're worth. The, mm-hmm. the thinner and lower your weight is, the more happy you should be about yeah. that. And the, the more attractive both physically and, I guess, emotionally you are to the world. And it's, it's this perpetuating idea that if you aren't thin, then something is wrong with you. Right. Either both health-wise, um, mentally, and just overall as a person, um, it's wrong to not be rail thin, model status, GQ, Victoria's Secret model. That is, that's what you should be and should attain to be. That's what diet culture is, and that's what we mean when we're when we're talking about that. Yeah, and it does talk a lot about. I mean, most of it is about people who assume themselves be assume themselves to be overweight, so they have to lose weight. Mm-hmm. But the article slightly mentions, in one little point, that this also goes for those who are also really skinny and feel like they need to gain weight mm, because yeah. they're too skinny. This goes the opposite way as well. So, like for you skinny guys out there for example a lot of us like to think we need to go to the gym and get big Mm -hmm. because we're too small so we need to eat a ton of protein eat a ton of food because we're too skinny we need to get really big that's also part of diet culture yeah and so i think it's a good time to to throw in like a disclaimer there's nothing wrong with dieting and um right having like fitness goals i think that's amazing exercises we've talked about how good exercises for like stress relief and yeah Exercise in and of itself is a great, very worthy endeavor. Eating healthy and eating well is such a great thing, and um, wanting to bulk up is such a good thing. But I guess what we're talking about today is the severe mental health implications that come with an unhealthy relationship with food yeah, and the perpetuation of this really unhelpful diet culture that we have. Yeah. So that's what we mean when we say that. There's, if, you have like a, if you're really into fitness and you go to the gym every day, this isn't necessarily targeted at you. It's for anyone who may struggle with their relationship with food and to help them be aware of how that may impact children or people in their lives. Right. I mean, off of that. Not like, that's like, I'm one of those people, like I go to the gym almost every single day. Like when I, when I have the chance to, I go and I've been trying to eat a lot more to gain weight because that's something I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And even then, even with uh, my values around fitness and my beliefs around food and all that, like this article was still really opening to me, eye opening and helpful in my relationship that I already have with food. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these things I think are actually really cool and they can be really helpful. And and like everything, I mean, it's just, it's all about balance, right? Like you can have a value of fitness and a value of, I don't know, bulking (laughs) value of (laughs) eating. Well, yeah, I'd say like a value of of culinary arts. Maybe it could be one of my people that enjoy, just enjoy cooking. That's definitely me. Like I love food, but I love preparing food and enjoying different types of food. Right. There's a spectrum to all of these. Like there's an extreme, for everything Mm -hmm. and we want to be somewhere in the middle and so hopefully this article will help you be find that 
medium ground and or help your relationship with food to become a healthier relationship rather than more of you know an extreme black or white thinking when it comes to food yeah so please don't give up on your fitness goals please don't give up on your yeah, no way, dieting Jose. goals and your dieting um, vision um, just use this as a guide to make sure that you do not have an unhealthy relationship and that you don't perpetuate on that people around you yeah. keep it to yourself and be aware of your beliefs i guess so number one the number one thing that our article author amelia we'll just call <laughs> ms sherry that she says that we can uh, a strategy we can use to avoid um perpetuating diet culture under our kids is she says that we can nix mixing weight talk with food so basically what she means by that is that when we're talking about um weight being overweight we should never have especially with kids is we should leave food out of that equation so for instance she says that if you're raising a child with a larger body weight talk might feel necessary or helpful even yet the research shows that it's not helpful when parents talk about weight including when parents talk about weight including eating to lose weight or even maintain weight kids have more disordered eating habits including binge eating lower self-esteem more body dissatisfaction and higher risk of depression so that's what that means when you say try to avoid linking weight with food because then you can get into the realm where kids are pretty black and white with their thinking that yeah. complex thinking is difficult for them. So if you combine being overweight as a bad thing and then it's directly linked to their food, which may even be true, technically that is true, but avoid making that direct link with your kids because that can create disordered eating and an unhealthy, unhealthy relationship with food. Yeah. And at this point, if you're like, oh, already i'm gonna turn this off this is a dumb yeah the important part here uh austin read at the beginning even though you might feel it's necessary or helpful literally the research the statistics show that it's not it's not helpful and at the end of the day you can do what you feel like is right for your kids but just know that the research 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 <laughs> the research shows it's not helpful to talk about weight. And I know that can be a little, I mean, opposing to what a lot of people think. And that's great. So do your best to keep an open mind and let's keep going. Yeah, and I think just one last thing that like to send that off, that, that strategy off in the article, it says if you're searching for the right things to say at the table to your children, yeah. talk about how the food tastes or the benefits to the body. For example, saying, isn't it neat that eating carrots can improve our eyesight? Or did you know that eating yogurt can help strengthen our bones? It's preferable to saying these foods are low calorie or these are good for my diet or good for our diet. Yeah. Um, meaning like our weight loss diet, not like diet as in the way we eat. Um, but you can kind of see that you want to focus more on the positive, um, not the positive spin on things because positive isn't always good, but more the helpful language that you're using because you're pointing the kids on what's the most helpful thing here that they know that food can taste good and that's a good thing and that yeah. they know that they know reasons why we in, we ingest these foods and just helping them focus on the most helpful things the most beneficial things which typically is going to be talking about just simply the benefits of food or just how good they taste so yeah. that's a really good way to to help with that strategy right like even if it's sugar like instead of saying oh careful like we can't eat too much of this because we'll get sick and uh this is junk food this is bad and we'll talk about that later mm -hmm. but 
saying, oh, wow, doesn't this taste so good? This yeah. is awesome. And just enjoy it. Enjoy the way it tastes and move on. You don't have to say anything else about it. Yeah, because it's not always going to be the most helpful thing. Yeah. Okay, number two, avoid focusing on portions. I know, someone just gasped right now (laughs) (laughs) because that's really controversial. And the article says, many parents feel the need to guide their children when it comes to how much they need to eat. Yet, research shows that kids do best when when parents trust them to make those decisions themselves. Children children are born with an innate ability to regulate their food intake based on their hunger and fullness sensations. As parents, our job is to help our kids stay attuned to those interoceptive sensations. So, controversial, right? Because that's something that goes against everything that I've ever experienced in my life. Mm-hmm. And this is not a hit on my parents or anything like that. Because this research probably wasn't out then. And at the end of the day, like you'll still your kids will still turn out fine. Mm-hmm. Like if that's something you've been doing for the past couple of years or for the past all of their lives, don't freak out. It's okay. They're gonna turn out just fine. But going forward, we can see that our job as parents with our kids is to focus on helping them self regulate themselves when they eat. And that means letting them eat however much they want, Mm -hmm. whenever they want, and they'll learn the consequences eventually. That's how you learn self-regulation. You don't learn self-regulation by by someone teaching you how to do it. You have to experience it and do it yourself. Of course, it helps for someone to guide you through it, but if you don't do it yourself, then how are you ever going to know, really? So it's all about letting them do it, letting them get sick, if they eat a whole pack of Oreos <laughs> or letting them eat too much and throwing up, letting them not eat and being hungry when they go to bed, things like that. They'll learn and it's all about letting them do it. Yeah. And you may still have that tendency to want to teach them about things, which I think is great. Using yeah. the opportunities to to guide good choices and to take opportunities to to prove and show what it's like to eat healthy by modeling that behavior. If you want your kids to eat a certain way, then eat the way that you want them to eat, Mm -hmm. you know, show, show portion control in the way that you eat. If you want them to make healthy choices, you also need to make healthy food choices. And the best way to teach them that is not to just gatekeep all their food choices and control their portions is to show them that you are in tune with your body and you know, when you're hungry, because that's what it says here in the next uh, art, next bit of the article. And I didn't yeah. plan on reading every bit of the article, but it's so I good. I think it's good. Yeah, Honestly, it's great. Yeah. Um, she says, when we step in to tell our kids to stop before they're ready, to, when they stop before they're ready or f- feel full or satisfied, we teach them to ignore their internal body signals and listen to us instead, which kills independency and which kills self-regulation. Yep. She then goes on to say that creating this kind of distrust of the body and hunger can create negative consequences on eating, triggering feelings of confusion, shame, and guilt for a child regarding food. Plus it sets up kids to eat even more of those same foods when we put limits, put a lot of limits on them. So basically if we gatekeep what they eat, when they eat and how much they eat of it, when they are by themselves in a moment where they don't have mommy to hold their hand when they're eating, they will overindulge. They're more likely to overindulge and more likely to make unhealthy choices. But if you're modeling that behavior and you are always allowing them to make their own decisions, that sets them up to make the proper decisions regarding their food choices. Yeah. They just think, strictly from a psychological perspective, 
helping them feel a sense of independency um, will help them through experience know when to know when to stop and to be in in tune with their very primal instincts of hunger. Right. And that's I think that's a one of the best things a parent can do is to help them be independent and be in tune with all aspects of their body to be present to what they're feeling, pain, hunger cues, stress, teaching, helping a kid learn about those cues to be in tune with their body through, through presence training. Even you can call it presence training, Mm -hmm. mindfulness training. I think that's a a great thing to teach a kid. And I know that might be tough for a lot of parents to (laughs) ironically swallow. Um, (laughs) But I think it's necessary to help kids understand independence and decision-making. Yeah. Uh, so Annie and I, my wife and I have a bunch of candy that's always laying around the house. Like we have trays of candy on like our coffee table, on our table in our um, kitchen, like just to snack on, you know, and it takes us a long time to go through them because we don't eat them all the time. Like mm. They're just there to enjoy when we want it. Yeah. And it's funny because when we have like friends come over or younger kids come over, you can tell which kids have a better self-regulated system when it comes to food and those that don't like those that don't eat all the candy they just like, over, literally like binge eat the whole they, thing yeah, yeah they clear the tray and those that do have a better self-regulated system eat you know a couple here and there it's not bad but they know their limits they know mm-hmm. oh if i eat too much of this my mouth might hurt you know some like too much skittles or my tongue might get raw or if whatever I eat it is too much ice cream my stomach's gonna feel sick right yeah. yeah they know their limits and those that don't just keep on going and mm. it's funny because I get really surprised sometimes when I look down the tray of Skittles is completely empty and we mm. just filled it, you know, before people came over Yep. and you see that one person that keeps going and eating all of them mm-hmm. and they just may not have it, a, have a, blah, blah, blah. but growing up, they may have had more of a regulated, uh, like diet or food choices from their parents and they were forced to like their parents would hide the candy or put it high up where the kids couldn't get it mm. and things like that. And again, if that's happened to you, it's not a knock on your parents, not a knock on you. This is just saying we can create self-independence. And when we do that, overall, it's better for us. Like the, the last part of the article here for number two says research shows. Research shows. That's like such a hard word combo. Research shows. Research shows. <laughs> That when parents restrict certain foods or even the, even with the best intentions, their children are more likely to overeat or feel out of control around those foods when exposed to them, creating a negative dynamic that can last into adulthood. A better approach? Checking our need to control amounts and allowing our children to self-regulate themselves instead. So this can be just the check right now. Where are you at with that? Do you self-regulate your spouse's? candy intake or food intake in general do you regulate your kids food intake maybe a little too much and just think about that and think of areas you can improve to help them self-regulate because parenting is all about the long run right it's all about how independent will your kids be able to be when they're ready to go to college and move out of the house you know are they going to be ready for that will they have Will they be able to self-regulate around food when it's just them and their apartment with all the candy in the world? Or all the money they, that they may have yeah, they have a new job. Yeah. Exactly. All the money, all the food, and going out with friends, whether that be drinking, as in even just drinking sodas and stuff. Yeah. Like just 
whatever the independent world brings when you step out of your parents' house, when you, in a sense, step out of the nest and go fly yourself, all the independence that that brings, how self-regulated are your kids going to be? And that's the goal of parenting. And so, yeah, maybe your kid is going to have to eat a whole pack of Oreos to learn that, hey, maybe a lot of Oreos isn't a good idea. And they can learn that themselves rather than... It may take them doing that five times, but they'll learn it. Right. I mean, it's just like the classic touching a stove, Mm -hmm. you know? You say, don't touch it. Why? It's hot. No, it's not. Touch. Ow. That's hot. Okay. Don't do that again. Don't touch the stove. I won't touch it. Okay. Because it's hot. Because I experienced it myself. And so it's all about guiding good choices, not forcing good choices. Mm -hmm. We're just here to be guides. And that's it. And I think one last thing with that, um, I'm going to take a stretch, a little bit of a stretch and say that when we tell kids how they feel, oh, you're hungry, oh, you don't need more food, in a way we're teaching them to gaslight and be gaslit. And that right. it's okay to have people tell you how you feel. Yeah. Because when a parent tells their kid, you're not hungry, you don't need more food. Yeah. You have no idea what your kid's feeling. Are you your kid? No, right. you're not. Your kid is your kid, and they know exactly how they feel, so trust them and believe them. If you want to have a foundation of trust... And a family that doesn't gaslight each other and you don't want a kid to gaslight their future relationships. Yeah. Don't gas them go don't gaslight them about their food and tell them how they feel about it. Yeah. Allow them to self regulate, like Enoch was saying, and that will help them have a better overall relationship and communication about the way they're feeling inside. Yeah. So avoid that because you don't want to make a little gaslighter. <laughs> don't want to make uh, a little accidentally. Yeah. Because it could happen right. so easily. Because right. it's so simple. Mm-hmm. You, that is gaslighting. When you tell your kid you're not hungry, you don't need more food. You have no idea. Do not yeah. tell your kid that. You say, oh, I, I was three though once. Like, yeah, you were three. Yeah. You're not them anymore. You were not your three-year-old. You <laughs> were three. Were <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that, I almost got heated there for a second. Everyone's um, <laughs> everyone's so different, man. I mean, exactly. We're the biopsychosocial model. We've mm-hmm. talked about that a lot. We are all so different. There are so many factors that play into this. So just because you could eat uh, one plate of food as an eight-year-old, and be satisfied doesn't mean that your eight-year-old is the same. Mm-hmm. It's just not not the way it works. Nope, so nope, trust nope. them when they say they're hungry. Trust them when they say they're full. And show them that you trust them by responding to those needs. I'm hungry, Dad. Or I'm hungry, Mom. Okay, let's get you some food, even though you just ate. You're hungry? Let's go eat. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Show them that you trust them and that um, they can trust you. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Let's go to number three here. I love this one. This one that you said we were going to talk about later. It's a good one. <laughs> it's keep villains out of the kitchen. I love the title. Um, I'll just read straight from the article because it's great. Parents can support kids in feeling good about their eating by avoiding using the same language as those who promote diet culture and dieting and diet culture. For example, referring to certain foods as fattening or junk can trigger feelings of guilt and shame. This is especially true if you're referring to something your child enjoys eating. Opt for a more neutral attitude towards food to support your kids in feeling about eating. One way I help parents do this is by acknowledging that all foods have value and can provide some nourishment. Sugar is a carbohydrate that provides energy. Fat is essential for brain function. Even often demonized snack foods like chips can offer B vitamins and fiber. So, lesson there, avoid using good and bad. Right. Because, again, it's true that cookies objectively like famous famous <laughs> cookies or oreos can yeah. objectively be bad for us and that's true yeah. how many times on this podcast have we said just because it's true doesn't mean it's helpful right and that's it's true but oreo cookies are dang good <laughs> and you want your so kids to good, enjoy dude. that 
aspect of their life and enjoy good food. And Mm -hmm. one thing that I have learned going into adulthood, like preparing to be a parent and having like just experience around younger kids and stuff. Yeah. One of the most important things for a parent to do and teach their kids is to teach their kids to eat unhealthy foods healthily. Mm. If that makes sense to help them understand that there's so many foods out there for it to be enjoyed. Yeah. And the best thing for their mental health is to learn and like over their physical health is to, that they can enjoy these different foods and they can have a good relationship with them and not have an eating disorder Yeah, and still control themselves. Yeah. Eating unhealthy foods healthily. And I think that's what this section is trying to teach us is that, yeah, it's true. Some foods aren't amazing for us, but all foods provide some type of nourishment because a, a packet of like a box of Twinkies, a kid eating a box of Twinkies is better than a kid going hungry. Mm. So, yeah. um, I think there's like a term in the, cause I, I'm taking a nutrition class this semester and that's why I'm kind of like on yeah. this topic. Cause like one of my science classes that I have to take is a nutrition class and we're talking about stuff like this and they use this term in the nutrition dietitian world that fed is best mm. and yeah. being fed is the best thing. And so yeah. that's the base. If your options are McDonald's or not eating at all, I would say go to McDonald's Yeah, for mental health overall, like for their development. And that's yeah. not health advice. Obviously we're not allowed or even should be giving that, but <laughs> mentally keeping those, those labels off of your food yeah. is going to help kids have a good, that good relationship. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, there's still going to be things in those McDonald's fries or those, that McDonald's burger that your body will still use. Yeah, for the good. At the very least, it's energy. Yeah, yeah. At the very least, it's energy, and your body will still use it for good. Your body is amazing that way. It does mm. its best with what it has and with what it's, it's highly given. efficient, yeah. Right. It really is. So, fed is best. I like that. And the important part is to not label the food as junk or as bad. fattening, right, as bad. Because then, just think of the confusion that creates for your child when you're like, oh, that ice cream is bad. And you're like, all right, let's go get ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like, um, what? It's bad. Yeah, I bet ice cream is bad for you. Yeah. yeah. And then when they taste it, they're like, oh my gosh, this tastes so good. And then you say, okay, you're done. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Too much is bad. Like, um, but, but why? Imagine that confusion that yeah, like ice cream is, so ri- ice cream is so dude. good. Honestly, you go to a good ice cream place. My favorite place in Utah is Leatherbees. Um, so good. And imagine the confusion that a kid would have if they, all they hear is sugar and ice cream is bad and they go and then they enjoy ice cream and they right. feel it how feels good it good. tastes. It yeah. tastes really good. And yeah. it's, it's really, honestly, it's, it's, it's fun to enjoy to go out and get ice cream once in a while. Yeah. And they have that confusion and that shame that this is good, but it's supposed to be bad. Yeah. That's really confusing for a kid who doesn't have a super well-developed brain that can understand that things that aren't super good for you can be good yeah. objectively. They, don't, they can't understand that nuance necessarily, especially when they're really young. So it's best to just avoid those labels. Maybe label it as um, more nutritious and less nutritious. That's something that we talked about in my my nutrition class this semester is that foods aren't necessarily good and bad. They're more nutrient-dense and less nutrient-dense. That's the best way to refer to things. Like when you're talking to your kids about ice cream and they ask, is this good for me? You could say it's just less nutrient-dense, but it's really good. It tastes good. Maybe we control what we eat and how much we eat of it. But it's still so good, and we're going to go enjoy this ice cream. Yeah, It's all about the way we label things and all about the way that we relate to things, the relational frame theory of, yeah. of acceptance and commitment therapy. The way that we look at things and the way that we relate to them will have an impact, a great impact on our world and our mental health specifically. And so labeling things as good, as good and bad, especially food, is super unhelpful. Right. 
And if your kid is good at self-regulating with food, they'll know that 10 ice cream cones isn't going to be good for them. Yeah. So they'll know, okay, let's go get ice cream. I can eat one full cone myself. Then I'm then I'm good. A healthy portion of it, yeah. Because anything more than that, I tend to get sick, so I'm not going to do that. You see how that's much more beneficial for your kids in the long run over forcing them to only have a little baby cone or one cone and that's it. Or never getting ice cream. Right, or without them even experiencing what it's like to have more and how they would feel because of it. So it's all about... Just don't don't label things like junk or or fattening because right, that to, yeah yeah it triggers those feelings like the article says of guilt and shame. Those are things we want to avoid because we there's so many. I mean, every food is meant to be enjoyed, in my opinion. Everything. Yeah, everything can be part of a, a balanced diet. Yeah, yeah, everything is meant to be enjoyed, and obviously there's that spectrum there of being extreme and not extreme, and so yeah, that's the way you can. You can help your kids do that. Is just don't label them. They don't want our kids to feel shame. Or helpful. That's, yeah. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. And yep. we do that by labeling them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Oh. <laughs> Acceptance <laughs> and commitment therapy is be, ex- be extra clear about values. Oh, yeah. I'll just read this first, uh, first paragraph here because you already know everything about values if you've listened long enough. <laughs> <laughs> it says diet culture is based on a bias against larger bodies. Protect your child from internalizing this. Be very clear that body size has nothing to do with a person's health, personal qualities, or value. Last last paragraph, I guess. Here, this is a good one. Mm-hmm. For example, you can also you can say, "I love the way you stayed focused on your homework, even though you're making a lot of noise," or, "You're so brave to make a new friend." Things like that, rather than, um, you know, avoid the tendency to connect appearance to things like oh you didn't make friends because i don't know if anyone would ever said that to the child because you're ugly or yeah. because you're fat or because you're too skinny or things like that you know we mm-hmm. want to help them avoid um, relating their the way they look to how they feel or act or the how others treat them yeah you want the focus to be intrinsic yep. um about things it's like right. what's the mar is a martin luther queen queen <laughs> That's hilarious. Martin Luther King, who said, <laughs> judge a man by the content of his heart, not the color of his skin. And that's a little bit different because he was talking about race and racial problems in yeah. the um, in the 60s and 70s. But the, the principles. The but same. the principles there that yeah. um, as humans, the most simple and basic things about us is the way that we look on the outside. It's important yeah. to who we are and our and our overall experience in the world. Like it's unique. The way we look is very unique and it's important. But um, what's inside of like your head and your thought process and your, your values and the things that you like to do, the, the sports that you play, the TV shows that you like, all these things that cannot be seen physically with your eyes really create what a person is. And so when we say things to or around our kids, like that person looks really good, they've slimmed down. Or yeah. this is something that we learned a little bit last year, last semester in my abnormal psychology class when discussing eating disorders. We read a novel about um, a woman who dealt with a 12 year old girl. It was her daughter who had a severe, um, what's the, um, anorexia. No, can't think of that word. She had severe anorexia and she was 12 years old. She had this whole chapter dedicated to words and phrases that we should avoid using around our kids because it plays into this idea that what's on the outside matters. 
Mm-hmm. So it's, it's avoiding saying things like, wow, they look really good. They slimmed down or, um, they're, or like you saying to yourself in front of your kid, I'm getting a little chubby. Yeah. I need to lose weight. Right. I need things to look like good. that because then it, yeah. that goes back on them thinking, okay, the most important thing is how I look. Right. But like Enoch said with that last paragraph, the things that we need to be pointing out to kids about themselves that are the most important is what's on the inside, their behaviors, their attitudes, and their values. Mm-hmm. And so the more that we do that and the more that we praise those things and we praise those other, those things and other people in front of them, the more they'll realize the most important things are not on people's pant size, not on the way that they look, not how much they can bench or whether they, yeah. how big their pecs are. Yeah, It's really the content of their heart and what's found inside of what can be seen, what cannot be seen. Yeah. I mean, it's all about praising the effort, like instead of focusing on the outcome as a parent, like the classic would be a, a uh, bad example, I guess, unhelpful example, mm-hmm. we should say, would be when your kid loses a soccer game, you say, oh man, you guys lost, that stinks. Rather than focusing on the process, like, hey, even though you lost, you played really good. Mm-hmm. You had a good stop there. You were really good at defense or you made a great goal. And not being outcome focused, rather be process focused. Because at that point, it doesn't matter what the outcome is with anything. All that matters is the effort that they put into it. And so, same thing here. I guess just all about, like Austin was saying, all about what they do, all about what they value. And you don't want to tie those two looks because it doesn't matter at the end of the Mm day. It really doesn't. And if you could even argue, and if you say it does, then we can probably agree that it's not the most helpful mm-hmm. at the end of the day. E- again, even if it's true, it's that doesn't make it helpful. Exactly. I guess moving on to number five then, number the fifth strategy of how to help kids deal with the diet culture is to get ready for it. And the it is your kids' struggles with body image. Because what the, um, the author says is that most kids will deal with a body image issue at some point in their life, whether that's as when they're living at home or some other time in their life, yeah. they're going to struggle with it. It's and like she, Thanos at this point. It's inevitable. It's, it's inevitable. <laughs> it's it's going to, I had a problem with it in high school, yeah. junior high. I had, I had huge struggles with it. Sometimes still do. Um, it's probably gonna happen to most kids. It's just kind of part of the, like the, um, with your child development, as their brain develops, they become a lot more introspective and, body image issues just kind of come with becoming more self-aware of their presence in the world and comparing to other people. It just kind of comes naturally yeah. with the way their brain develops. I mean, especially in sports too, like Austin and I are both in football Yeah, and there's such a big emphasis on being super strong, being really fast, being, being ripped, really high weight. Yeah. Yeah. Being super high weight. Like I literally gained 25 pounds in a month because <laughs> I felt pressure of, I need to gain weight my senior year. The coach isn't going to play me. Mm-hmm. And so I gained so much weight. And to this day, I've never been that heavy ever since then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I totally and ended up losing it like a month after because I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. But like, you know, you're going to, your kids are going to have things like that. Cause that's either the sport culture, the, their friend group culture, like whatever it is, you know, it's, it's inevitable. It's, it's going to happen, happen. Unfortunately. No matter how good you are at helping them, um, but their relationship with their food, Puberty just hits different, man. It's just different. Yeah. It's something different for them. And the important part here is they will hopefully be a bit more self-regulated because of things that you have done as they have, as they've grown up mm-hmm. rather than restricting everything from them. Yeah. And allowing them to make their choices. They might be a little more comfortable in their, in their choices at the very yeah. least and knowing how um, to be comfortable <clears throat> with who they are. 
And I, there's yeah. some aspects of the, the last bit of this article where she says that, um, well, our first instinct might be to reassure our kids that they look great or they aren't fat or they're fine the way they are. It's important that we avoid minimizing their concerns. So don't mm. minimize their problems. Yeah. She goes on to say that instead of telling your child they don't need to worry about it, have an age-appropriate discussion about diet culture. Explain the reasons that focusing on our weight can be harmful. Emphasize the importance of accepting our body for what it can do and not what it looks like. Lastly, focus on being accepting of yourself too. Modeling self-acceptance and appreciation for your body is a powerful message your child can and will embrace. So that just kind of goes back to our discussion earlier that the most important thing that you can do for your kid is model appropriate behaviors towards towards food. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's about mental health. It's about psychology. It's about um, appropriate mental health skills Mm -hmm. and an appropriate skill for each of us to learn going on throughout, throughout our life is self-regulation, independence, self-regulation and experiences through natural consequences. That's the best way to learn is through natural consequence. And the best way to learn that is as a parent to teach that, I guess rather is to allow your kids to make their own decisions when it's appropriate. You don't want to allow your two year old to make their food decisions because Technically, they can't make their own food decisions. They probably can't reach the pantry. Know, yeah. Um, yeah. But at five, six, I'm, well, again, we're not health professionals or dietitians, but um, the more independent they seem, the more independent they probably are. Yeah. And so as they grow up, help them become more independent by allowing them to be independent and make their own decisions and yeah. model that behavior yourself. And that's the best you can do to set yourself, set yourself and your kids up for success. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. We hope you learned something new in this episode. I know I have literally just from reading this article, like it was, it was, I definitely, it was really insightful and really cool. So if you did learn something new and you liked it, go ahead and leave a rating and review. (laughs) Um, Drop a, drop a like, hit that subscribe button. Share it with a friend. On (laughs) YouTube. No, but really though, like share it with someone if you think that, if you think that they will really benefit from it. Like that's what we're all about here. And we want to help as many people as we possibly can. And also side note, before I forget, we didn't talk about this at the beginning. We didn't, okay. no. So Austin and I have just started school. Again, the semester has started. We, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we are back into the grind, baby. And so we've decided that we're going to do a What About series episode every other week instead. So we're not going to have a What About episode this Thursday. It will be next Thursday. And so from here on out, it's going to be every other, every other Thursday. That may change in the future. It might not, depending on how things go. But I mean... We'll still be releasing this episode every Tuesday, at least at least one episode a week, for sure. And a What About series episode every other. That's the plan. Yeah. As of now, anyway. So just keep that in mind as you go forward. And we will talk to you next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? What about therapy? What about, what about therapy? Yeah. What about, what about therapy? 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 Yeah.